98 today, Psalm 98. If you want to go ahead and turn there. If you're using the Pew Bible, it is page number. Say it out loud. 900. No. 500. Don't go to 900. Go to 500. 500. It says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, is the name of the psalm today. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Let me read it. Let's follow along and we'll read it. It's just nine verses. It says, a psalm, very simply, a psalm. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song, excuse me, and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and all who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the people's with equity. May God bless the reading of his word from Psalm 98, verses 1 through 9. The flow of thought in this psalm is pretty straightforward. God has worked salvation. He's worked rescue from evil for Israel, which all the ends of the earth have seen. That's verses 1 through 3. All people in the earth should join in Israel's celebration because God is their rightful king. That's 4 through 6. And the material, the material creation should also join in all mankind in jubilant praise of the one true God as they look forward to his rule. It's almost as if, I don't have a pen on me, I was going to have a pen up here. It's almost as if a conductor is stepping up to his, his music stand and he's tapping it. Tap, tap, tap. And he's raising his, his hands and he's getting ready to conduct all of his creation, this beautiful symphony that he has created into bringing his praise. And section one is, the, is Israel, the believers. It's God's people. Section two, he invites Israel to, along with him, sing his praise and his glory so that section two can join in, which is the non-believers, which is all the rest of humanity outside of Israel. And then finally, third, this is the third section over here would be Creation, all the rest of creation, to join in this beautiful song that God is singing. So the Lord now in Psalm 98 is stepping up to the podium. Rap, rap, rap. Three sections. We're ready to conduct. We're ready to bring forth glory from the Lord to the Lord with a joyful noise. This psalm is what lies behind Isaac's Watts' famous hymn, Joy to the World, which we just sang. The psalm and the hymn have become associated with Christian, Christmas, like Psalm 96, and this is not inappropriate, provided it is clear that the coming of Jesus as Davidic king, who will bring light to the Gentiles, is what establishes this connection with Christians. So one more time, let me give you the map, and then we're going to go for it. 1 through 3 tells us to sing. One, 4 through 6 tells us to sing. 7 through 9 tells us to sing. Okay, you ready? The whole thesis of this psalm is to do what? 
sing. Sing. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Everything that's been created. Rap, rap, rap. Section one tells us to sing to remind ourselves of the great works of God. To remind ourselves as God's people to remember the great works of God. Four through six tells us to sing to beckon the watching world to know our God. And then seven through nine tells us to sing as we wait for, the, for God to fulfill the rest of his promises. So let's go there first. Let's go one through three first. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous. He has done marvelous things, past tense. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Notice this is all past tense. These are things God has done. And so we're commanded to sing to remember the things that God has done. This is not an isolated incident in Scripture. This section calls on God's people to sing aloud together in celebration of God's faithfulness to his promises. The term salvation appears in each verse of this section. Notice that. It describes the great deeds of God for the sake of his people as a whole, providing protection from their enemies and the conditions in which piety or faithfulness to God deliverance can flourish. Example of this, let's go to, um, I'll, I'll turn there, but we'll go to Exodus. I'm going to go to Exodus chapter 14 and 15. And you can see, so what happens in Exodus chapter 14 is God's people, remember all, if you, if you watch uh, the Charlton Heston classic uh, of uh, Moses or the Ten Commandments, all the plagues happen. God's people are exiting Egypt. They get across the Red Sea. God brings them to the edge of it. They think they're all going to die because the, the, uh, the army of Pharaoh is coming behind them and squeezing them against the Red Sea. And then God tells Moses to split the Red Sea, and he splits it. And they all make their way across. And then, of course, arrogant Pharaoh and his army follow into the Red Sea, and all the waters close back over them just as the final Israelites get to the other side and it consumes Pharaoh's army. And guess what happens then? Guess right the very next, that's, that's chapter 14. And then 15, it says this, 15 verses 1 and 2. 15 verses 1 and 2, the heading of which is the Song of Moses. So what do they do immediately when God is faithful to deliver them and give them salvation? They sing. Then Moses said to the people of Israel, Sing this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. This is the, the beginning of the first verse of Moses' song. The people of Israel saying, as God saved them. This is just one of many instances in scriptures when you have tragedy happening, God saving his people, and then his people bursting out into song because of their God that saves, the God that saves, Yahweh, Jehovah, the one and only God. Deborah, David, Ezra, Nehemiah, Josiah, Hezekiah, when God prevails on behalf of his people, they sing. They sing. They make a joyful noise to the Lord. And then we come to Luke chapter 1. And when Mary comes to full realization of what God is doing inside of her, literally inside of her, and what he's about to do for all of the earth through this child that stirs in her womb, you know what she does? Sings. Magnificent. Mary's magnificent. 
Several other terms are used for, for these deeds that are laid out in 98 verse 1. It's talking about marvelous things that God has done. They sing about his righteousness. They remember his steadfast love and faithfulness. God has done these great deeds to the house of Israel, it says in verse 98, or excuse me, Psalm 98 verse 3. But the benefit is not limited to them. It's not limited to just them. It's God saving all the earth. Not only has he done these great things for his people, he is making known these great things for his pe- that he is doing for his people to them and to all the earth. Look at verse 2. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has made known himself. So it's, it's not only that God, our God, has done great things, it's that he's done great things and then made sure that you can hold a translation of the Bible in your hands which tells you in your native tongue all about the things that God has done for his people all throughout human history. That's fantastic. And it's worthy of singing about. Charles Spurgeon puts it this way, the Lord is to be praised not only for effecting human salvation, but also for making it known. For man would never have discovered it for himself. Not so much as one single soul would ever found out for himself the way of mercy through the mediator, which is Jesus Christ, had God not made it known plainly to him. You sit here today because God is a saving God that communicates himself clearly to you. And to us. And it's worthy of song. It's worthy of singing about. Verse 3 He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. It hearkens to almost Romans 1 type language where, where everything knows of God. Whether they reject him, accept him or not, God has, he's not, stay, he's not a God who is hidden, he is a God who is seen. He has remembered the characteristics that define him. Remember, if you, if you go back and listen to some of this, there's a theme throughout the Psalms, it's, and they hit on it over and over and over again, that there's two main characteristics that define God throughout the Old Testament. His steadfast love, or chesed, and faithfulness. So steadfast love, his mercy, and also his justice, also his faithfulness. He has remembered, verse 3, Psalm 98 steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel, and he has acted upon it. And his action upon it, who he is, his action upon who he is, finally takes its full manifestation in the New Testament when steadfast love and faithfulness and justice meet at the cross of Jesus Christ. It's worthy of just pausing now and saying, the plain, clear gospel to you this morning. Because all these things, all the Old Testament, there, God is showing that he's a salvation-working God. All the way through, he's giving little rumblings, little previews of, of the great salvation that he's going to bring through his son Jesus. We were a broken people. God made us. So creation, fall, redemption, consummation, that's the flow of Scripture. That's the flow of the God who saves from Genesis to 2020. You've got... A God who creates, who creates and sustains and loves and creates for his glory. And then you have man that sins and rebels. And we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
Can I get a witness? All have sinned. All. Romans 3.23. And fall short of the glory of God. But God does not leave us there. He clearly, clearly making himself known to all the earth sends his son to die for that sin, to take our penalty. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And finally and ultimately, we accept that, we live by that, we have faith in who Jesus says. It says that if we, be, if we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that God, confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The God of salvation, full manifestation. And then ultimately, he's not only going to save us from our sin, he's going to save the entire world from its effects. He's going he's gonna to take care of what you did wrong, and then he's going to clean up the mess that we all made. And that's his promise to us. That is the gospel. That's why, if you're new with us today, that's why we're here. That's why we're praising. That's why we sing. This is the biblical lens we look through when we sing together. In selecting songs, I do not think first, what would Kurt sing? Jonas, when he leads music, Harish, all these other musicians that lead music, they don't first think when we're listening to songs and we're suggesting songs to each other, the necessary rubric or litmus test before, for a song to even make it past the first gate, I so to speak, is Scripture. What has Scripture sung about? Scripture sings about a God who saves. Scripture sings about a God who saves. It's why we won't sing songs that in here that talk about the way we might feel about the God who saves. We're steeped, you, me, we're already steeped in how we feel. We know how we feel. Music has the power to move emotions, but we don't move emotion just for emotion's sake. I want to move your emotion towards the God who saves. What we need to know is not more of you and more of me. What we need to know is more of God. More remembering who he is and what he has done and much, much less about how Pastor Kurt or anybody else may feel about that God on any given Sunday. Because I don't know about you, but my joy ebbs and flows. My feelings towards God ebb and flow. But peace with him remains the same. No change Jehovah knows. Great lyric, right? Because it's about the God who saves. When God's people sing the song of what he has accomplished, namely the truth of the gospel, we sing to both the Lord himself and to our brothers and sisters in Christ, reminding them of the God who has accomplished great things on their behalf. Our God is the great lifter of heads and hearts. He is the great God who has worked salvation for his people from Genesis to 2020. We must every week unite our voices together and remind ourselves of this and remind each other of this. A terminal cancer patient once testified to me this. These are the words. I had forgotten that no matter if my life is peaceful like a river or filled with sorrow like sea billows roll, God has taught me to say it is well with my soul. My brothers and sisters reminded me of this today. My love is oft times low. My joy still ebbs and flows. 
but peace with him remains the same. No change, Jehovah knows. These words, your words, you, your words, pulled a depressed and spiritually dry father back from the precipice of just giving up. A young man was tormented by the weight of his struggle with sin, and then you sang to him, Those he saves are his delight. Christ will hold me fast, precious in his holy sight. He will hold me fast. He'll not let my soul be lost. His promises shall last. Bought by him at such a cost, he will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. For my Savior loves me so. He will hold me fast. And I could go on and on and on, and I'm almost, I'm just almost 33 years old, so I haven't been in this that long. And the number of times somebody has grasped my forearm on the way out the door with their eyes welled up with tears saying, my soul needed the song of the people this morning. That song, it's too many to count. It's it's too numerous. I've only been doing this like 10 years. Too numerous to count already. Brothers and sisters, you know not the power of your voice when you collectively ring out in remembrance of your great God that saves. Look up and down the pew. You know not who may be emotionally crushed. You know not whom Satan has battered and bruised and God's ordained means of grace. That Sunday is your voice and a hymn that contains the deep truths of Scripture about the God who saves. So, application point one, sing. Sing. Two, four through six. Four through six tells us to sing, to beckon the watching world to know our God. Make a joyful noise, it says in verse four, to all the earth. All the earth. Conductor, he already conducted here, and now he's rap, rap, rap. All the earth, your turn. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. All the rest of humanity, break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, and the lyre with the sound of the melody, with trumpets and horn. The sounds make a joyful noise before the king with a capital K, the Lord. Four through six tells us to beckon the watching world to know our God. Psalm 98, four through six, let all the earth sing loudly and joyfully. We are God's ordained means, the church The church is God's ordained means to bring the light of the gospel to bear on a world that's darkened with sin. Agree? Do you agree with that statement? The local church is the the main means of grace God uses, is means to use, we get this from Scripture, in order to make himself now known to the world, to the ends of the earth. The local church equipped with the word of God being preached. We are the light of the world. 
So Mount Vernon Baptist Church must sing well when she gathers because people must know that we believe what we say we believe from the tips of our toes to the tops of our heads. Next Christmas, join in on caroling around Mount Vernon and sing the gospel to unbelievers with us. I love December. Things change oddly in December. In our culture, if you get a group of people together and you go around singing about Jesus to people January through November, you get the cops called on you. In December, you get hot chocolate and cookies. It's evangelism. Our corporate singing together is evangelism. Martin Luther rightly said music is the bridesmaid to the word preached. It readies the heart of the people to receive truth from his word. It's not throwaway time. It's not throwaway. Singing time isn't dead space where we, where we just kind of hang out and get used to things until the sermon comes. It is not, it is, it's tilling time. It's soil preparing time for the seeds of the gospel to land and to take root. It's what God has ordained music to be in our hearts. Parents, listen to me. Evangelize your children through singing the truths of the gospel with them. That's a mouthful of truth. First of all, you have to evangelize your children. They're not saved just because you are. Evangelize your children. Evangelize them through singing the truths of the scripture with them. Every home, especially with children, needs a Bible and a hymnal. A Bible they can understand and a hymnal. If you don't have one, I've already made a way for you to have one today. If you don't have a hymnal in your home, there's free hymnals at the Welcome Center today. You can grab one. It may not be the prettiest, newest, shiniest hymnal in the world, but it's free, right? It's got good songs in it. If you want... A, a hymnal, maybe a more modern hymnal, something that has all the songs that we sing. Come talk to me. We'll make sure that I'll send you an Amazon link. You can, you can grab it up. Teach your children to gaze at Jesus. Teach them to make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, because until they claim Christ as their own, they belong to all the earth. Evangelize them. They will have no clue what most of the lyrics mean. That's okay. Just get it in them. It's planting seeds that will stick deep in the soil of their little soul. And by God's grace and your prayers, Lord, please bring the increase. Lord, even now as I pray, bring the increase in little Addison's soul that we dedicated to you this morning. May her parents drive deep the seeds of the gospel using every means possible, but especially song. But you might say to me, Pastor, we're not musical. We're not musical in our home. Well, at the risk of being terse, I don't care. Most of you aren't athletic either, but that doesn't keep you from tossing a football in the backyard when Johnny asks you to. You don't have to be Peyton Manning to toss a football, and you don't have to be the worship leader at church to sing the truths of the gospel with your children. So grab a hymnal today on your way out if you don't have one. There are a lot of philosophies that permeate the church culture. There's a lot of, a lot of thinking because just it's made up of people and people are influenced by a lot of things. But there is one trend that really bothers me and it has to do with music. 
in the name of being outreach-oriented, a worship, worship team learns and performs a secular song in worship. Now, it doesn't bother me in like a curmudgeon-y type of way. I'm, I'm, if you know me, I'm not a curmudgeon I, I'm, I, like, I like good music of all stripes. I listen to good music of all stripes, and I appreciate it artistically of all stripes. But we only get to apply this direct application of Psalm 98, inviting the rest of the world to literally sing with us just once a week. This hour is sacred and powerful, and by its very nature, it beckons the unbelieving world to believe. Why would we even for a second break away from our collective gaze at the God who saves why would we even for a second during our sacred hour invite someone into something other than beholding the beauty of our God and the salvation that he has made known to us? Make a joyful noise to the Lord. All the earth gather in with us today. This is why we sing. This is our God. This is our God. Thirdly, 7 through 9 tells us to sing as we wait for God to fulfill the rest of his promises. So the conductor steps up. Rap, rap, rap. My people, all the rest of the people, and everything else in creation. It's the final movement. God says, seas roar, rivers clap your hands. Let the seas roar. And all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it, let the rivers clap their hands, let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. This section extends the invitation from all the human inhabitants of the world to include even the sea and the rivers and the hills, the entire creation, human and otherwise, can rejoice at the prospect of God's just and final rule. Human beings were made to submit to God's rule and govern creation and wisdom and love. When they acknowledge God's kingship, they and the rest of creation will flourish, and the day is coming when all this will be so, when everything will be set right, the world and all that fills it will be set right again. Romans 8, verses 18 through 25 the heading of that section of Scripture is future glory. Listen to this. Paul says to the Romans, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us, that is being revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing. The creation, here it is, for eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. That's us that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes in what he sees. But if we, have, if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. And as we wait with patience, inwardly groaning, 
for the Lord to fulfill the promise that's at the end of 98, Psalm 98, that he will judge the world with righteousness, that he will return and judge the world with righteousness and all the peoples with fairness and equity. When he is our only government, when Jesus is the only king, we wait and we groan and we sing because we are practicing for that moment when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess and all of creation will join with us in the song proclaiming that Jesus Christ is Lord. When he comes, our glorious king, all his ransom home to bring, then anew this song will sing. Hallelujah. What a savior. Revelation chapter 7. After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne, and they worshiped God, saying, Amen blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever and ever. Amen. So we sing to lift our heads, to be reminded of this God who has done a great thing in salvation. We sing to beckon the rest of the world unto salvation with us, and we sing with all of creation, groaning in anticipation of the day when Jesus will come and be our king forever, and everything will be set right, and there'll be no more sin, and no more crying, and no more pain, and we keep our eyes fixed on Christ. We sing. We sing, we sing, we sing. And how could we end this sermon by doing anything other than what the text explicitly tells us to do? And so, brothers and sisters, as our musicians make their way up now, if you would, let's stand and let's pray and then let's sing. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are always in need of you, whether we acknowledge it every moment of every day or not. We need reminded of your truths. Thank you for the gift of singing together. Thank you for your scriptures which explicitly command us to sing. Lift our souls now, Lord. May your glory be made known in all of Mount Vernon because of the singing in this place, because your glories are sing, because we lift our eyes to the heavens. Bless us, Lord, now.
Let us sing to be reminded of what he has done. Let us sing that any unbelieving hearts would hear and be drawn. And let us sing in anticipation of the day that all living creatures will gather around his throne and praise his holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.